0: And one thing else I wanted to mention after Leah sang, there'll be, uh, most of you know Leah is studying voice at Bob Jones University and wants to use her voice for the honor and glory of the Lord. Amen. That is, amen, right? God gifts people in different ways. Some are gifted in business and uh, some are gifted in economics, some are gifted in abilities like music or speech, and we use all these for the glory of the Lord. And um, As a church, we like to support all of our young people, we've got a great number of college students and good to see young adults following the Lord. Um, So that being said, on not next Sunday, but the following Sunday at 3 o'clock, Leah is having a recital here at the church. I believe that's going to be uh, both sacred and classical music, is that right? So if you'd like to come and be a part of that, of course it's open to the public, but I thought our church family should get the first invitation, you know, sneak in. Other than the family, get the first seats. And um, so that's going to be three o'clock, not next Sunday, but the following Sunday. All right, let's take our Bibles this morning and turn to Romans chapter number five. Back in Romans after a couple of weeks break from our series. And this is the next message in the series, Good News for a Broken World. And so if you're joining us uh, for the first time in this study, we've been in it, in it for a couple of months now. We're going verse by verse through the Romans. And the overarching theme is this. Our experience in this world is telling us that something is not right. There's something broken about the world that we live in. And you don't have to be an expert to understand that. It's something that, that we just experience through our news feed, through social media, whatever, wherever it is. But the book of Romans answers the big questions of life. It's really the whole gospel of the whole message of Christianity in one book is the book of Romans. And so our theme verse, let's get back to it. Let's say it together, Romans 1 and verses 16 through 17. Let's begin. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And it is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, it is through the gospel, that we are invited to experience that love that is like a river that was just sung about. So today, though, we come to chapter 5. Now, if you remember last time, we looked at Romans 5. We looked at the first, the first eight verses, and today we pick it up in verse number 9. And I want you to notice in Romans 5, verse number 9, the very first two words, because these are the title of the message today. So could you say these first two words with me? Romans 5, 9, begin, much more. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Now, it's important to notice if you've got your Bible open, if you just scan your eyes up to verse number one, it says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And now it's almost as if that thought is picked up again in verse number nine, when it says, much more than being now justified Being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement let's pray together lord i ask that you'd help us today as we study your word i pray that you'd help help me as i preach to speak clearly lord we need the presence of the holy spirit right now Lord, we ask that you would i ask that you would quiet each heart that you'd help us to be completely focused and to hear what you have for us today we thank you lord that the The scripture has power, Lord, that in the reading and proclamation of your word, that you are present. So help us to see you, help us to hear you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you look back at the verses that we just saw, you'll see there's a lot of key concepts in there in fact if you're one who likes to underline and and mark things in your bible there's quite a bit to see verse 9 though if we back it up a little bit and we'll just i'm just going to make a couple comments quickly through these verses you see in verse 9 that statement much more but then he's he's got this idea of being justified by his blood now that word justified has been really important for the first four chapters that's the idea that i am made right before god i've been justified We keep moving through. It says, much more now being justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Saved. There's another key concept here. But saved from what? Saved from wrath. Saved from wrath through him. Now, in verse 10, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled. Here's another another key word. We were, the word is reconciled. That means brought back into a right relationship to God by the death of his son, and here's that, here's that phrase again, what is it? Much more. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Much more. Now, just to get the context, back up again, I want to just quickly set the context because you, you can't understand verses 9 through 11 unless you have a good understanding of where we were in the first few verses. So back up with me to verse 1 again, if Romans chapter 5. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is, the topic of the, this is the topic of this chapter. The fact that it is 100% by faith in Jesus that I now have peace with God. Now, the statement that I have now been given peace with God, the fact that, that peace with God is something that is accomplished by faith is points to the fact that I wasn't born in a peaceful relationship with God. And that is foundational to everything we understand, that when we are born into this world, we are not born having a right relationship with God. There's a common concept that where people that are that have a generic belief in God will say, well, we are all God's children. You've heard that statement before, right? Well, we're just all God's children. The problem is is not that God does not want us to be his children. The problem is that we have a nature within us that is bent against God, against him. You say, well, I just don't know if that's true. I just don't know if I believe that. Well, as I said a few weeks ago, how much time do you spend in your life convincing and training yourself to do wrong? Very little or none. And if, well, maybe there are a few people in the world that do that. They've, they've, they've kind of crossed the line exceptionally well where they work on being as evil as they possibly can be. But for most of us, fairly for, really for all of humanity, the fact is this, we work and we work and we work in order to control our wrong desires. We work and work to do right, not to do what's wrong. Why? That is because in our natural state, we are the enemies of God. You say, well, I just, I don't know. I don't feel that way. Well, think of this. When Jesus came, what did the people do to him? The very crowd that had seen him do miracles, the very crowd that had seen him heal people, the crowd that had heard him teach and preach, what did they cry right Right at the end? They cried, crucify him, crucify him. Say, well, where does this come from? At the heart of humanity is a desire to be our own God. And that is this idea that we do not have peace with God. It's not because God does not desire peace with us, it's because natural humans do not desire peace with God because we are not naturally willing to submit. However, God has been on a mission from the beginning of creation to bring people back into relationship with him. God has been on on a saving mission, on a rescue mission, to save people's souls, to bring us back so that we could be reconciled, so that we could have peace with God. And that's what this chapter is all about. The fact that peace with God is not something I earn by being good. It's not something that can be given to me by a church. It is only by Jesus Christ. And so in verses 1 all the way down through verse number 5, the scriptures explain how this, what this peace with God accomplishes in our lives. And then in verse number 6 through verse number 8, let's take a look at this, verses 6 through 8, Romans, Romans 5 and verse 6 through 8, it explains how this was accomplished, for when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died, not for the good people, but he died for who? The ungodly, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man, some would, eat, some would even dare to die Now look at the love of Jesus. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, when we were opposed to him, when we were naturally against God, when we were in our sinful condition, when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And then verse number nine starts with that statement, much more than. How could it be any better than that? How could it be any better than while we were yet sinners? What happened? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But now we come to verse number nine and the scripture says, but there's more. But there's more. That, G, that the fact that Christ died for sinners is not the end of the story. It is actually only the beginning. And, and the fact is this, all throughout the scriptures, the statement you'll find that statement that God has more in store for you and for me. In fact, the Bible says, "I hath not seen, neither hath ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. There is more. Have you noticed that there's always a natural longing in our hearts? We always want. They uh, they asked one of the wealthiest men in the world, how much money is enough? And he said what? He said, just a little bit more. I just want a little bit more. Well, that is never experienced. No No matter how much money you make, there will never be enough. You will always want more. And no matter how many relationships you run to, they will never satisfy and you will always need more. And no matter if it's drugs, no matter if it's it could be it could be pleasure and food, it could be sex, it could be any of the things that we try to fulfill our longings with, they all leave us with an emptiness. It, it, we start to get a little filled up and then we say but there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And Jesus says, you can have a cup that is running over. You can be filled to overflowing because the Lord has more in store. It would have been enough. It would have been the greatest act of love we'd ever known for God to have said, you sinned against me. You chose your own way. I created you and you wanted nothing to do with me. But you know what? I'll save you. I'll forgive you, and that's it. That would have been enough. But Jesus promised more. In fact, I think when I think of this passage in Romans, I think of what Jesus himself said when he walked on the earth. In John chapter 10 and verse number 10, Jesus said this, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy jesus says there are things in this life that 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 will creep into your life and the goal of the of the evil one the goal of the devil is not to help you but to steal to be deceptive and to kill and to destroy but jesus says i am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly And i love the 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 comparative words here right He could have said, I want them to have life and I want them to have abundant life, a life that's just full, a a lot of life. But he says, not just an abundant life, but a more abundant life, more. Well, let's see what this passage teaches us about that. The life that comes through Christ. In verse number nine, I want you to see this and you can turn over your notes this morning. First of all, we see this, there is more hope for the sinner. We saw the hope for the sinner in verse number eight that God loves us while we were yet sinners. But if you look at verse number nine, he says this, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You see, there is more hope for the sinner in Jesus. We have been justified by his... I got a bug coming after me there. Sorry about that. So... Um, how many of you saw you saw that you know total just make sure that was a you, you didn't see it so three of us were distracted and then I just brought everybody into the distraction so this landed on the back of my head so being now justified by his blood as Jesus as Jesus died on the cross it was his blood that paid the price for our salvation it's his blood Jesus didn't, just, Jesus didn't just come to set an example. He didn't just come to teach us some good things about life. He gave of, of his very life. He gave his blood to save us. But in this great hope, there's, there's a lot of people go through life wondering. They're uncertain. In fact, there are some religious systems that teach this. They'll say, well, you know what? You know Jesus died for you, but then on the other hand, you... You have got to do your part to earn your way. You've got to do your part. And so there are people that live their lives every single day. They are devout religious people. I mean, they pray prayers, and they attend services, and they do things in the name of Christianity, hoping and wishing and praying that maybe at the end of their life there will be some chance for them. It's not a very hopeful Christianity. Some of you grew up in a system like that, where you were presented a roadmap of what you had to accomplish, but the more you worked and the harder you tried, the less certain you would be. Well, what the scripture says here is a certain hope. It's a confident hope, and it says says in the verse, being now justified by his blood, this this statement full of impact, this statement full of truth, this statement full of security, since we are justified by his blood, we shall be saved. We shall be saved. And listen, if you came in this building today, And you had in your mind, well, I hope that when I die, I'll be saved. I I mean, I'm trying. In fact, I've asked many people, if you died today, do you know for sure that you would go to heaven? And more than anything, people say this, well, I hope so. I'd like to. Well, friends, not because of anything I've done, but on the authority of the word of God being justified by his blood not by my efforts, being justified by his blood, mark it down, I shall be saved. And you can say that with me if and only you have put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, in his shed blood. You can say, I shall be saved. Saved from what? Well, this is, if you've been following along from the very beginning of our study, in Romans chapter one, we were introduced to this concept Wrath, the wrath of God, saved from the wrath of God. You see, God is is equally and magnificently both loving, he is all love, and he is all holiness and perfection. Therefore, anything, anything that attacks what God loves, he hates with a holy vengeance, and that would be sin. You see, God created a perfect humanity in the Garden of Eden, but we chose sin. And in choosing sin, we choose to ally ourselves with what God opposes. God is a holy and just God. And if, if we refuse the goodness of God, if we refuse the love of God, then we choose to remain under the wrath of God the justice the holiness of God we spoke about the wrath of God s- several weeks ago and you should think of that as God is the most perfect judge that could ever be and God's righteousness is is supreme there is no room for exception there is no room for excuse we are all guilty of under the wrath of God and on the one hand there would be no hope if it was up to me I would be consumed by the wrath of God but Jesus took the punishment Jesus shed his blood and because of that I have a certain hope for the future that the 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 worst thing that can happen to me is I would die and be in the presence of the Lord Being justified by his blood, we shall be saved. Do you have that confidence today? You see, I believe that as the the scriptures teach us, that the Holy Spirit moves when the word of God is spoken. And I believe if you do not have that confidence that the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart right now, I believe that the Holy Spirit is is whether it's a feeling or words that you're thinking it, that, it's God speaking to your heart speaking to your mind saying you don't have that security you don't have that certainty but you can have it you could walk out of this building today you could leave this place today with a certainty and you could come in saying boy I sure hope so and you could leave saying I know for sure that I will be saved from wrath through him. It's a confidence. There is so much more. There's more hope for the sinner. Now, verse number 10, he goes on, there's even more. Not only is there more hope for the sinner, but there's more love for his child. There's more love for his child. Look at verse number 10. For if when we were what? Now, this is really important because this is a comparison from the less to the greater. This is a much more. If God loved you when you were here, imagine how much he loves you when you're here. See what I mean? It says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So what, is that, what does that mean? Here's the point. Previously, in, in verse number eight, I was a sinner. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us when we were his enemies. And basically, this is what the apostle is saying. If God loved you when you were his enemy, just imagine how much he loves you now that you are his child. Now that you have been reconciled. He says you have been called into a deeper relationship you've been called into closeness into oneness there's a really cool illustration of this some of you might know the story of the prodigal son there were two boys two boys they grew up in the same household one was a hard-working faithful son the other one was a selfish son he got to be a a, a young man and he looked at his dad and he said dad i want the inheritance now Say, okay, so he wants an early inheritance. Well, super offensive in the Middle Eastern culture. In fact, what he's basically saying is, Dad, I wish you were just dead and I could have your money now. It was like a slap in the face to his father. But his father says, okay, you can have it. He takes all the money. He doesn't invest it. He doesn't do anything with it. He parties, and he parties hard, and he lives it up. And to use... Clean language, the Bible just says he, he fills his days with riotous living. Doing every evil thing imaginable, and he spends every bit of his dad's money. Well, he hits rock bottom, and he finds himself basically in the gutter with no hope. But he realizes that his father still loves him, or at least will accept him in some way so he gets up and he says you know what I the servants in my dad's house have it better than I do so he heads back home and as he walks home his father comes and his father sees him and his father runs to meet him and he his mindset is dad I want to be one of your servants it would have been a gracious act for the father to let him come be a servant wouldn't have been okay well, you made your choice, but you are, after all, my son, so I want to make sure you have food and shelter. Come back. But that's not what happened. There was so much more. And the father says, no, you will not come back as a servant, but you're going to come as my honored son. You'll be forgiven. You'll be restored. You'll be, key word, reconciled back into the family. You see, when you and I, and some, for some, some, some of us may struggle more than others with this. There are many people that say, you know what? I was such a terrible person before I, before I knew Jesus. I was selfish. I was, I, I'm just glad that he forgave me. Listen, God has done much more than forgive you. He has reconciled you he has brought you into a close relationship and all the sins of the past are covered All the sins of the past are forgiven. They're never to be remembered anymore. There is so much more love for his child. You are brought not back as a servant. You are brought not back as the sinner who God loves, but when you are, you go from being the sinner, but if God loved you when you were a sinner, how much more does he love you now that you are his son? The scriptures speak of this in a couple other places. I, I put them on your notes, Colossians 1 and verse 21. Colossians 1.21, and you that were sometime or that that in the past you were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he what? Reconciled. You've been reconciled. And then in 1 John, it's explained this way. 1 John 3 and verse number one, behold what manner of love. The Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Behold, He says, stop and ponder, stop and consider what kind of a love is this? What we just saw, the ones who were the enemies of God, we've been brought into forgiveness, but now we have been made the adopted children of God. We've been born again into God's family. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not the world knoweth us not what does that mean it means the old the my old identity is gone it is no more i am unrecognizable the person that i used to be is no more it's a, the most wonderful thing that can happen in someone's life is they become a christian and their friends and their coworkers and their families look at them and they say boy you sure have changed not changed by by a religion, but when you experience a love that says you are my enemy, but now you are my child, that is a love that has the power to change. And that is the work of Christ in our hearts, that through his love, through his unconditional acceptance because of the Lord Jesus Christ, he looks at us as he looks at Jesus, and he begins to change us. He begins to do a work in our lives where we eventually become unrecognizable to the world. He has more love for his child. Much more. There's more hope for the sinner. There's more love for his child. And then finally, look with me at verse number 10. I mean, I'm sorry, verse number 11. There's more joy for the saints. Well, actually, there's a little more I want to say in verse 10. Back it up to verse 10. I'll be quick. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. There's one more concept here. We were enemies, but were reconciled by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his what? Life. It's a twofold component to the saving work of Christ. We are not just, and this is something that gets passed over a lot. We are not just saved by the death of Jesus, but we are saved by his what? By his his life, by his resurrection. We are not only saved by the death of Jesus, we are saved by his resurrection. That's why in a gospel-based church, you'll never see a cross with Jesus on the cross. And if you're going to wear a cross, don't wear a cross with Jesus on it, because he died once, he doesn't die every time. We don't have a, we don't, th- that's why in a, in a Bible, in a Bible church, we don't have a mass because a mass refers to the death of Jesus. We don't serve a, a savior who just died. We focus on the resurrection life of Jesus because we have new life in Christ. Everything has been changed. So, so it's, it, yes, he died for me, but that death has been accomplished. I'm thankful for his blood, but we're gonna have a baptism in a few weeks and we have a couple of our young people that that have trusted Christ as their Savior, and we're not going to sprinkle them with water, but we're going to dunk them in deep water because we're going to say, when you, by faith, by faith, when you trusted Christ, you, the old you, the sinful you, died with Jesus. But then they're going to come dripping wet up out of that water. And whoever does the baptizing that day, one of us is going to say, buried in the likeness of his death and raised in newness of life because we are alive in Christ and we are brought not into a relationship of fear where we have to think what do I do what do I do what do I do but we're brought into a relationship a reconciled relationship of love that says you are my child now and forevermore amen I knew I had more on that verse All right, now the final verse, verse number eleven. And not only so, this is like the end of the commercial. But wait, there's there's more. (laughs) There's much more. So we saw much more twice, and now in verse number eleven. And but that's not all. And not only so. but we also what joy that's using joy as a verb or you could say we rejoice we are happy we celebrate how many of you believe the church ought to be a place of joy and celebration we are the we are the company of the redeemed we are the family of god we are the we are the saints you see the point there there's more joy for the saints when i mention the saints i'm not referring to historical figures i'm referring to all people who have been made saints in jesus christ all of us who've been forgiven of our sins we not only are we the children of god but we are the saints of god and he says not only so but there is joy we are not called to live a life, and, and there are some Christians that you go through your whole life with a guilt complex. Now, guilt is a healthy thing if it brings you to forgiveness in Christ. But at that point, guilt needs to die. It's got to die, because you go through your life saying, well, I'm such a bad Christian, and you know what? I'm just thankful I'm saved. But well, how's it going? Well, you know, better than I deserve. You know, it, it, There is a joy, there is a celebration that I am a child of God. My eternity is settled. My hope is sure. And yes, I struggle. I have struggles in the here and now. But my tomorrow, my tomorrow is more certain than my today. And I shall be saved from wrath. And I have been reconciled. I am reconciled. And I have something to be joyful about. I have, that is why you will find throughout history, and you can go to places in the world today where there are Christian people. Last week I in the, the church I was in, the pastor gave a message on on persecution. And he started reading some stories of persecution that is taking place even today in places in the world where people are suffering and, and, and some of them giving their lives for Christ. But you know what you have found historically in the, in the presence of believers, even in times of persecution, people have been astounded at their joy. But it's prosperous Christians in Western countries that sometimes we're the miserable ones. We're the ones that like to fight with each other. We're the ones that get upset if the, the, our preference over here isn't a- attended to or, you know, they didn't, they, they didn't look at me the right way or this or that. Listen, there is so much for us to rejoice in our relationship with Christ. We shouldn't have time to be upset with one another. There is a joy. There is a rejoicing. And it's not, listen, I had, I experienced a lot of joy this morning when you were all singing. Okay, I'm sitting in the front row, and you know, sit up front sometime because it sounds you just get to hear the whole place. It's awesome. But I'm sitting up there, I mean, you know, this is a joyful experience. But ultimately, my joy doesn't come from you. And your joy doesn't come from me. But we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement that statement there the atonement it's actually the same word and this is something in, that can be translated different ways but in the original language in verse number in verse number 10 you see where it says if you back up to verse 10 yeah when we were enemies we were what's the word reconciled and then it says much more being reconciled verse 11 we join God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement that's the same word reconciled just a different uh, it, it's a noun form instead of the verb form the atonement the reconciliation the bringing back into relationship you see the point is this the ultimate the ultimate fulfillment in life and where we began at the beginning where we began at the very beginning where we said listen in our lives we there's nothing that can bring satisfaction because we always desire more there must be more there must be more why because there's only one thing it's not and this is interesting it's not an atonement it's not one way it's not a form of reconciliation. It is exclusively the one and only way. It is the atonement. It is the way to be made right with God. And listen, the fact is this: I rejoice because I found the way. I found the reconciliation. I've found the way, or I shouldn't say I found it, but rather he found me. I was lost, but now I am found. That the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ found me when I was his enemy, made me his child, and gave me a joy and a fulfillment that is unspeakable because I have been united, I have been reconciled to my creator. I have been reconciled. I have received the atonement. I'll give you one more passage that explains this very beautifully. It's 1 John 1, 1 through 4. Speaking about the message of Jesus, John says this That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled the word of life. He's speaking of Jesus, by the way. I don't have time to unpack all that. But John is saying, "I was one of the, he's one of the disciples that walked with Jesus. And he says, I was there from the beginning. I heard him. I saw him. I touched him. Verse two, for the life was manifested and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What is he doing? John is saying, listen, I knew Jesus. I know Jesus, and I'm here today to show you Jesus. And when I show you Jesus, I show you life. And that's all I've been called to do. As, we, as I stand here today, just to unpack the witness of the word of God, to explain the witness of the scripture, that this is who he was. This is who he is. This is what he's promised. Specifically, in verse number three, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship Remember that idea of reconciliation, atonement being brought into relationship? That ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Hold on right there. Through Jesus, you and I are brought into A reconciled relationship with God this is an amazing truth the love of God from Father Son and Holy Spirit the love of the Trinity from all of eternity past you and I have been invited through Christ to have that fellowship why is why is there this emptiness in our lives why is there this realization that I always want more I always want more because friends that Is what we were created for we were created to know God to be known by God and to experience his love that's why he took us when we were enemies and made us his children our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ verse number four and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full and could I say full Too overflowing. My cup runneth over because Jesus promises so much more. So let me ask you this question. Two questions. First, first of all, when you walked in the building today, could you have said, and I mean a one hundred percent sure, when you walked in the building, could you have said, Ethan? If I were to die today, I know for sure that I am saved. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know for sure. Based on the word of God, based on what Jesus said, I know for sure. If you couldn't, then that's, that's a life filled with fear, filled with worry, and headed towards certain, certain ultimate eternal death so wouldn't you like to put your faith in christ today is god speaking to your heart you say what do i need to do well the bible made it very clear all you have to do is simply believe on christ what do you mean believe on him literally just in your heart tell jesus say yes i am not trusting myself i believe that you died for me i believe that you rose from the dead I trust nothing else, my faith is in you and you alone. The Bible says that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. You simply need to believe in Christ. Would you make that decision this morning? If you've never done that, make that decision right now. In just a minute, I'll lead you in a prayer where you can make that, you can solidify that decision. But don't leave here without a sense of certainty, without the assurance of God's promise that we saw today. But my second question is for Christians. Are you living a life that's much more? Or have you forgotten that God created you for much more, but you're living just a worldly life, just a life that's consumed with the cares of today and fears and anxieties, are you ready to say, you know what, Jesus? If you would, if you would have saved me when, if you, if you loved me when I was your enemy, I'm going to believe that you love me now that I'm your child, and I'm going to live the life you've called me to. Maybe you need to make that decision today. Either way, let's take a moment now. Let's go to prayer, and let's let's speak to the Lord. Let's go to prayer right now, please. Heads bowed and eyes closed as we end the service today. In just a minute, we'll conclude with some music but this is an important time it's time for us to respond to what we've heard today if you if you if you were in that first question you say you know what I don't I didn't I'm not sure if I died I'm not sure that I'm that I am saved would you make the decision today I'll lead you in a simple prayer prayer doesn't save you but if the belief of your heart is is ready to receive Christ you can just pray with me say pray something like this pray Lord Jesus I know that I am a sinner but I believe that you died and rose again for me. I believe that you died and rose again for me and right now I ask you to save me. I put my full faith and trust in you and you alone. I trust you, Jesus. I believe in you. Just in this quiet moment, would you pray that? It's, it's not about the exact words. It's about your, your heart saying, yes, I believe in Jesus alone. Christians, would you be praying however God has spoken to your heart? Let's just take another minute and look to the Lord. Father, we thank you so much that you've reconciled us to yourself, that when we were your enemies, you've made us your children, and we're seated at your table. Lord, we thank you for the reconciliating work of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray that if someone in here doesn't know you as their Savior, that today would be the day that they would put their faith in you and in you alone. God, for those of us who are saved, for those of us who know you, we pray that you'd be working in our heart, that we would live in light of the work that you've done in our hearts. Draw us closer to you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.